The Daily Rios episode 408, New Comics Wednesday, and a review of Retcon number one. Hey everyone, this is your host Peter. New Comics Wednesday recommendations for the week of September 20th. Only four main recommendations this time around, including Dark Arc number one, the End League Library Edition hardcover, IT Secret World of Modern Banking Trade Paperback, and Lighter Than My Shadow, the graphic novel. And then I will follow that up with a quick review from a book that shipped last week. By the way, if you're someone that likes to hear or read about preview suggestions, I should be posting a preview spotlight on the website soon. It won't be a podcast. It'll actually be a post. I'm going to take a look at uh, some of the recommendations that I feel are standouts from the most recent catalog for books starting to ship in November. Now, if you're someone that doesn't like to pick up previews, you should give this a read. I mentioned before how I'm not recording uh, an episode on previews anymore since I feel like having a dedicated written post means that you can come back to it easier throughout the month and I can let the solicits and preview images speak for themselves. Now what I might do is record an episode on just the Marvel Legacy solicits from the new September previews since that's giving us the second wave of legacy titles. If you go back to episode 390, that's when I talked about the first wave of legacy titles, and it wasn't a great outcome for me. That first wave didn't have many titles that felt like instant buys, or even a title that I thought, oh hey, I'll check that out. So, will the second wave fare any better? Because I have some strong thoughts again. So I guess we shall see, and hopefully you're not uh, sick of Marvel Legacy talk um, before Marvel Legacy even hits the stands, right? All right, so let's get to today's list of recommendations. First up, a new release from a publisher I'm not sure I've talked about before. This is Dark Arc Number 1 by Cullen Bunn and Juan Doe from Aftershock Comics. Now, Aftershock launched in April 2015 and is a publisher that combines the creative edge of an independent comic book publisher with the strengths and experience of a traditional powerhouse. It was founded by Mike Martz and Joe Pruitt. Mike Martz is a former Batman editor, and he left Marvel to start this company. Joe Pruitt was someone I remember from seeing on at conventions and talking to back in the early CGS days. He was part of the Desperado imprint that was once with Image, then by itself, and then with IDW. Some of the creators that they have brought into Aftershock to speak to the, all of that, you know, traditional powerhouse concept, uh, people like Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor, um, Warren Ellis, Paul Jenkins. Other titles under the under the publisher include Alters, Super Zero, Rough Riders, Animosity, Shipwreck, and others. So we're here to talk about Dark Arc, number one. We're going to get biblical here. So the solicit is, The wickedness of mankind has moved the Creator to destroy the world by way of the Flood. Noah has been tasked with building an ark to save his family and the animals of the world. But this is not 
Noah's story. For darker powers have commanded the sorcerer Shrey to build his own ark and save the unnatural creatures of the world, such as the vampires, the dragons, the naga, and the manticore. But what will happen on a vessel crawling with monsters where insidious intrigue and horrific violence are the rule of law? I just thought that was a great premise, and it's definitely a book I will review for next week. Cullen Bunn, you may know him from a lot of his Marvel stuff, but he also was the writer on The Damned and Sixth Gun. And Juan Doe is the artist on another Aftershock property called World Reader. There's a new trade of that in this month's previews, and it's one that I am definitely going to put on my recommended list after seeing some of the preview images. So the artwork of that book combined with the premise of this book uh, you know, it was kind of like a no-brainer to put it on the list. So there's also a second cover for Dark Arc, uh, number one by Phil Hester. Next up, IT, Secret World of Modern Banking, the trade paperback, collecting the first miniseries arc um, that I believe ran for five issues. This is from Black Box Comics by Scott McDaniel and Demetrios Saharakis. The inker is Andy Owens, colorist Teodoro Gonzalez, letterer Taylor Esposito. Not a subject that you would think would fit into comic book, um, into the comic book mold, but I think that's exactly the reason why it's kind of interesting. Plus, you get the artwork um, by Scott McDaniel, who is also doing the writing. So the solicit is bank information technology expert Evan Adonis works at the nexus of the bank's communications and data networks. Discovering executive corruption, lies, and abuse, Adonis suffers threats and retaliation. In the eternally corrupt world of modern banking, the IT expert is both the most powerful asset and the most hunted liability. It's described by Scott McDaniel as Jerry Maguire meets Wall Street. It's kind of interesting. I've been following Scott McDaniel's Instagram and his Twitter and, you know, from his time on Daredevil or Nightwing or Batman, he was always a fun uh, artist to read and look at. So I'm giving this a nod in hopes that maybe it'll push some people to a book that they may not have heard about or may not have tried out. And this trade is $14.99. All right, let's keep the collections talk going with End League, the library hardcover edition from Dark Horse by Rick Remender, Matt Broom, Sean Parsons, Andy McDonald, covers by, and art by Eric Canetta. Now they're calling it the thematic merging of the Lord of the Rings and Watchmen. Now take that in for a moment. That's a high concept indeed. The End League follows the last remaining superheroes on Earth as they embark on a desperate quest to find the one artifact that can save humanity, the Hammer of Thor. And this library edition is $39.99, collecting all nine issues of the original series. Now, I read the first issue, and I heard some talk about it here and there on different, here and there on different podcasts. It was one of those titles um, that starts you off in an already established superhero universe and then goes in and messes it all up. So similar to Secret Identities or Jupiter's Legacy or even Black Hammer, um, the super characters are ones that you are familiar with. You know, there's 
probably usually always a Superman type, a Batman type, Flash, a Hulk type, instantly recognizable characters that give the reader an easy in. And then what they do is tell a larger story around them so that they can explore concepts, themes, or whatever um, without having to be beholden to an established property, right? So instead of being able to tell this kind of story at DC and Marvel, they take it somewhere else. And that this way they can change their characters, kill their characters, morph them, put them through the ringer. And I feel like that's what End League had the potential to do. So uh, if that's something that you like, you should give this a try. And finally, Lighter Than My Shadow graphic novel by Katie Green. This was first published in the UK in October 2013 and is now under Roar, an imprint of Lion Forge. So Roar is Lion Forge Comics' imprint for young adults and teens where readers can find something for every taste. Along with Lighter Than My Shadow, the other uh, titles that they have are Taproot and the flagship Roar monthly title called The Castoffs, where magic battles machines and heroines overcome differences to defeat evil. Roar also has the Magnetic Collection, which uh, features titles like Love and Rendezvous in Phoenix and Light. So this is all like a side of comics that maybe most people might not be familiar with. Um, I'm doing a lot of talking about all kinds of new new to me or maybe new to you publishers today. So, Lighter Than My Shadow is described this way. Like most kids, Katie was a, pick, a picky eater. She'd sit at the table in silent protest and listen to parental threats of having to eat her dinner for breakfast. But normal behavior can soon turn into something sinister and deadly. This is a story of struggle, recovery, and a trip into the black heart of anorexia. It's an exposure of those who prey on the weak and an inspiration to anyone who believes in the power of human will to endure towards happiness. A graphic novel for $19.99. I will put a link in the show notes and on the website so that you can check out a preview of this story. Lighter Than My Shadow, I feel that title, once you realize what the story is about, really kind of puts on your brain some disturbing imagery. I think it's a very evocative title. Um, and it's a subject matter that is not often talked about, um, not at least um, as much as you think it is. And uh, some of the preview pages, there's some really interesting artwork. And as someone who actually dated someone who went through anorexia or borderline anorexia in college, the artwork was hauntingly familiar. Um, I can remember being in a restaurant and it was the first time I realized um, I knew that that my my ex had a situation, but I didn't realize how deep. And I can remember that moment where it was the first time I could see her brain or someone's brain actively working in her eyes, on her face, uh, the mental anguish, the mental math that sometimes they go through. Um, it was disturbing. It was, it was, you know, something that we had to work through. And, and she actually, it took um, many years for her to work through, through that um, situation, even after we had dated. So, um, yeah, this, I felt like this was something important. Um, and I wanted to, again, 
give it a little bit of a nod because maybe this is something um, that might interest uh, readers out there. And I know from looking at the previews pages, uh, the creator, uh, Katie Green, has in her introduction, you know, kind of like her story. And she says that she hopes that maybe this could be something that um, someone could read and could help put things into perspective if they're going through the same situation. So there you go. Those are my recommendations for today. We went from Bibles to banking uh, to the end times to a very serious um, disease. Um, Some other quick nods for today's new comics list. We have from Boom Studios, Big Trouble in Little China, Old Man Jack number one, starting a new series. We have Catwoman by Jim Ballant. Uh, the Volume 1 trade paperback collecting all of that 90s guilty pleasure. Wonder Woman and Conan, number one of six. We have the Dark Knight's Batman Red Death one-shot out today. And apparently there are a bunch of Batman Day comics featuring Batman and Harley Quinn and maybe some others. So, All right, when we return, a short, quick review of Retcon number one from Image Comics. Hey, how's it going? I'm Dave DeWatch. So this is the second Kickstarter I've done. The first one was Cyrus Perkins and the Haunted Taxi Cab. For two years, I'm back with my next project. I'm doing a Kickstarter because I really, really want full control of this one. Uh, I'm looking to fund the production of the book as well as the printing. Today, I am introing my newest project, uh, which is a zombie coming-of-age story called Spores, Prom of the Dead. Uh, The book primarily focuses on two main characters. It's Christina and Erica, two best friends who, through the course of uh, the series, are going to have their friendship tested. They're going to hopefully survive. We don't know if that's the case just quite yet. I don't want to give away too much. Through a series of unfortunate events, they're thrown together with some of the mean girls and the jocks in the school in a kind of a breakfast club situation, uh, if you were to imagine the breakfast club in uh, The Walking Dead. So this is the first project that I'm actually publishing myself. I, I've worked with Action Lab. I was the president of the company for oh, a, a group of years. I worked previously as the creative director, so I've helped produce a lot of books, and this is my first kind of foray into uh, self-publishing. So with your help, I'm looking to uh, get the cost of production so I can pay the artists and the, and the uh, colorists to get the book uh, produced and then printed and then distributed. It's Mean Girls Meets Walking Dead. It's 90210 at the end of the world. It's everything I love about the genres blended together. So scroll down, take a look at some of the awesome stuff we're offering, click donate, and uh, and get your favorite tier. Okay, retcon number one from Image Comics. This came out last week, and this is by writer Matt Nixon, art by Toby Cypress, letters Matt Krutzer, and the logo design by Sal Cipriano. And it's a story called TPTB, which I assume is The Powers That Be. So last week when I read the solicit, because um, this was something that I am I think I skipped over when I was looking through the previews. It really didn't register with me. But as I was going through that week's list of comics, um, I thought, okay, this sounds interesting. I like the concept, or at least the title of Retcon, that has a lot to say about comics and um, the use of retcons in comics. And then the solicit gave promise to that. 
It said that this was a story about a series of different characters and events that were retconned. So what we were reading was a retcon of another story that never existed. So that's kind of interesting. It's very meta. Um, the artwork that I saw from the pre preview pages, I thought, great, you know, this is very cool. It's like Butcher Baker, Righteous Maker, Mike Huddleston kind of stuff, Sean Gordon Murphy, um, almost art poster, concert rock poster-like, um, very abstract. It, it just, the colors were were interesting. I, I liked it. I, I thought it was going to be something that um, would really speak to me. So then I read the first issue and a lot of that promise, while hinted at, isn't in the issue. So this whole idea that um, the creators are putting us into the middle of a story that has been retconned from another story, it's there slightly, um, but not really. And I feel like probably when we get to issue two, that's when we're going to go back and go, oh, I see, that character was actually... Uh, a good guy in that other um, continuity. Or this situation happened because that situation happened in the other continuity. But as far as this first issue goes, uh, it wasn't quite there. Makes me think, you know, that's a little bit of a mistake. Maybe they should have made a bigger first issue. Is this a story that would read better all in one sitting? I don't know. Um, it's not a bad book by any stretch of the imagination. I don't, it, although that's a little bit of a criticism, I still enjoyed the book more or less. There are some things that, um, as I was reading, and I was like, okay, that's a little generic. But otherwise, uh, it's not a bad first issue. Um, I know that's not a strong recommendation. But the story is as follows. We're thrown into the middle of an um, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, and it's because there is an investigator who works for some shadowy organization, right, um, who is casing one of the people in the meeting. And apparently that person that is in the meeting is starting to give up secrets about a, a military group that he used to belong to. And that military group used to do some very supernatural or they used to go after some supernatural or magical beings and creatures and they would... Uh, hide their um, missions under the false pretense of, you know, going to war with third war countries. So then this other person that's casing um, this old military guy, he has powers, so does the old military guy. And then there's a third person that is a skinwalker that can basically control people from far off. Um, and uh, so, of course, things go to hell in the middle of this meeting. Um, the old military guy is actually a werebear. He can turn into a bear. And it's, there's some pretty great design work going on there. And then um, our lead in the story, whose name is Brandon, he has powers as well, apparently has something living inside, inside him. And um, depending on the situation that he gets himself into, that being through uh, a means of you know self-survival, will give Brandon whatever powers he needs at that moment. So he's kind of like the Darwin character over in the X-Men universe or in the uh, X-Men first class movie um, that was, you know, short-lived. So, like I said, things go to hell and the two have a confrontation. There's that third person 
who is um, controlling this very attractive woman. And of course, when you find out who, what the, the controller actually looks like, he's heavyweight, he looks like he's probably someone that is, um, you know, an introvert. Um, so that's kind of a little bit stereotypical, right? And let me take over the body of this gorgeous woman because I'm angry about them or whatever. I don't know. So that felt a little um, obvious. So um, through the course of this, the organization that Brandon works for wants him to take out um, the old man whose name is Dodge. But Brandon doesn't want to do that. So that puts him at an, at odds with the organization and he becomes, you know, a man on the run by the end. And uh, there's not much more to that, you know. I don't, again, I don't know where the retcon part comes in just yet. I hope they get to it quickly. Um, it's a little like Heroes meets Mission Impossible meets X-Files, you know. Um you get the feeling that there are going to be a lot of people that have powers or um, somewhere down the road we're going to see how they actually all interact and maybe, just maybe, they probably knew each other in these other continuities and then they're put at odds with each other. I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go because the book didn't give me enough information just yet. <laughs> um, but I'm here. I'm here for the art. I'm here for the premise of the story if it gets there. Um, the... The execution of the book, oddly enough, made me recall an old Marvel title from 1993 called uh, Hellstorm, Prince of Lies, which was a book about Damon Hellstrom and, um, you know, the son of Satan, I believe he was called. Something about this book kind of reminded me of that book in the execution. I don't mean in the content, the story content or the themes. I just mean purely in the execution, how it looked how it made me feel to read. Um, there are some panels that the werebear, the, the, the dodge who can turn into this bear, they did a close-up of his face. And it kind of reminded me of the demon bear from New Mutants, the way Sienkiewicz drew him, drew that character. So artistically, you know, it kind of hits the right juices for me. I'm, I'm, I'm with it. And the potential of this story makes me feel like I want to stick with it too. Um, but it fell a little flat in terms of delivery of what the larger concept is. Um, so, you know, if you're into ratings systems, I would put it like somewhere slightly above whatever the middle would be. You know, I'm not I'm not so turned on by it. I, to I don't hate it. Uh, I'm not exactly in the middle. I'm not indifferent. I'm, you know, there's there's some interest here, but uh Really, I think you just need to read it for yourself. Go check it out. Flip through it on the stands or um, look look for it um, digitally. Maybe check out some other reviews. See what people are saying about it. See some preview pages online. Um, that's really all I can say about it. I know that probably wasn't all that coherent, but that's kind of how I felt after I read the issue. I was like, I don't know what to say about it. So there you go. As I said earlier on in this episode, I probably will do a review next week of Dark Arc number one, and eventually, once uh, more issues of Marvel's Generations comes out, um, I, I have five more issues to read of that. Once they all wrap up, I'll do another review of that. Incidentally, last week, uh, one of the books that I talked about for Marvel's Generations was the Phoenix book with both the younger and older Jean Grey, 
And I lamented that, uh, you know, it made me miss Jean Grey, the one that we all know and love. Well, in the news this week was the release of information about Phoenix Resurrection Return of Jean Grey by Matthew Rosenberg and Lionel Francis Yu. I can't, I, I don't think I've read a comic by Matthew Rosenberg. I don't know that name, um, but, you know, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, so apparently she's coming back after many, many years. I mean, God, it's got to be, what, 10, 15, maybe more? So they're bringing her back, I assume. Um, yeah, I have to imagine it has to do everything with the next X-Men movie being about Phoenix, but there you go. All right, that's it for today's episode. Send me an email, peter at thedailyrios.com. Go to the website, thedailyrios.com, to look at links and some pretty pictures. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter J. Rios. You can subscribe through uh, iTunes, Google Play, and now through Stitcher. And if you are someone who enjoyed the first episode of The Legion Project that I'm doing with Eric over at the Longbox Review... There is another episode coming, maybe even tomorrow, episode two. So look out for that. This has been the Daily Rios episode 408. Talk to you soon.